to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Ewa Kimaxon, and I will be your host. First, this episode, I'm going to start with something that I always end the episode with. I want you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, because I keep getting messages from people, but I only have nine reviews. If you're listening to this, leave me a review. And I know that you haven't listened to the episode yet, but it's just, you're just going to have to trust me. I have a guest today. I haven't had a guest for a couple of episodes. Today's guest, Megan Suter. Is that how you say your last name? Yep. It is so useful in a sort of exposure therapy way that your name is Megan because my ex-wife's name is <laughs> Megan. And when I get a little email where it's like, Megan S. Venmo requested you, and I'm like, oh shit, 60 <laughs> grand for damages and legal fees. But it's like, no, 17 bucks for Thai food. Oh yeah, I accidentally requested it. I didn't realize you paid me, so I canceled the request and I felt really bad. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. I didn't totally mean to okay. double request. I wasn't trying to totally okay. be a moocher with the Thai <laughs> food. Sure. No, I mean, I was just relieved that it wasn't a request for $60,000 for, you know, lives ruined and bridges burned. So Megan, you've been a little bit hesitant to be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything interesting to say. Well, that's just humility. (laughs) Megan is hesitant to be on the podcast because I open up about how I grow to despise all my guests. Yeah, you're like, no one is interesting. I hate having guests on my podcast. And then you want me to talk. Yeah, I'm always disappointed in them. And during the editing process, I become very resentful of all my guests. Most of my guests. All right, so (laughs) I'm happy to be here then. (laughs) Clearly. But that's fine. That's okay. I like my friends. I also, t- I also told you about a new format I was going to do that whenever I get in an argument with a guest after they leave, I'm going to record a monologue where I just sort of pick apart their, pick apart their argument with their, when they are no longer there to defend themselves. Yeah. yeah. Why did I agree to this? Yeah. But hey, this episode, we're not going to do anything like that. Okay. Simple. Okay. It's going to be really simple. I've mentioned on the podcast that every time I have a guest, they try to talk to me about the coronavirus, and then I edit it out every time. But, Megan, tell the people what you're getting a PhD in. Yeah, so I'm getting a PhD in epidemiology, which everyone probably knows what that is now. My friend Elliot that I had a, a sandwich with at Schmaltzy's Delicatessen in Ballard, he was like, oh, yeah, you got a roommate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, what does she do? And I said that she studies epidemiology, and he was like, is that something with the bones? (laughs) Just like, Elliot, it's 2020. Yeah. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, it's it's basically the study of the distribution and determinants of disease. A disease could be something infectious, or it could be like a, um, you know, like not having insurance coverage, or um, like mental health outcomes. It doesn't have to be like a... You know, a pathogen or a, you know, an so infectious opioids, disease. So opioids can yep. be an epidemic? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, so then we have to talk about the coronavirus. Okay. How do you understand that in Sweden, no one wears a mask? I was talking to my mom this morning and I was like, people still don't wear masks. And my mom was like, oh, I saw someone wearing a mask last week. And it's like, that's the level it's on. Like, she go, she's a teacher in a school. The school is full of kids. Everyone is there. No one wears a mask. People still go to parties. And it's like people might eat outside a little bit more. And people talk about it a lot. 
but they don't do anything very different. And then still, like, it's not very bad in Sweden mm-hmm. now. What's um, your working hypothesis for why it's playing out differently in different places? Yeah, so it's probably something to do with, like, the age distribution of the population and also the prevalence of um, health conditions, or, mm. uh, pre, you know, pre-existing conditions that yeah. is much higher in the U.S., and then also, like, disparities in, like, social disparities, income disparities, things like that, that are huge determinants of health and um, your outcomes if you do get sick. So, yeah. you know, it's probably something to do with the fact that just, like, the underlying structure of the populations are different. And it just, the U.S. Yeah. is just probably older. I'm not certain on that. There's definitely um, more, like, diabetes, mm-hmm. renal, renal stuff. Yeah hypertension yeah yeah (sighs) so that probably has something to do with it yeah it's weird it also could be the case that um and you would you probably would know more about this because you grew up there but um i sort of feel like there's more of this like collective sense of like we're gonna care for each other you know even though the government isn't telling us we have to do whatever this is you know wear a mask distance people probably have more of a motivation to do those things where in the yeah. the u.s you're not seeing that as much the behavior is just different no i mean that's true that there's it's a little bit more anarchy here it's way more individualism here but it's still like people still do public transportation in sweden full on with no masks and they don't do that thing where you have stickers on 90 percent of the chairs so people sit six six seats away from each other like it's just a train full of people not wearing masks who care about each other. <laughs> I yeah. would guess that that's probably not where most of the transition uh, transmission would be happening, yeah. honestly. Because it, here, it's often tied to like small gatherings and families and small parties. Um, yeah. So it's you know it's things people are doing privately with you know with others who they're close to. Yeah. Yeah, I have many random thoughts on it, on coronavirus in general. It's interesting how there's about to be like a complete switch in how anti-vaxxer has always been like a right-wing associated thing. And now that's about to become a left-wing thing where people are super skeptical of of a Trump vaccine. And people on the right want to believe that this vaccine might be a good thing. Yeah. But like on next season, that storyline is... Yeah, we'll have to see come October 1st. Yeah, exactly. State should be Giving them a hard deadline for when we need the vaccine. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think so. so. I would be, yeah, very surprised. Um, Yeah. Okay, let's drink the water. Okay. Okay, so today we're doing blood orange. I have a lot of blood orange at the house right now. We're going to start with a CBD one. Ableist CBD infusions, 25 milligrams of CBD, Blood orange water. Oh, blood orange water sounds really good. Yeah, I love blood orange. Yeah, blood orange is a beautiful little bit of bitterness. Mm -hmm. They're also so pretty. Yeah. like looking at them. Very fizzy. (laughs) Beautiful fizzy start. Ooh, it smells good. It smells, almost smells like orange soda, honestly. It's like very strong. Yeah. Strong, nice smell. Almost like a cream soda, Mm -hmm. kind of like that. Yeah, it's got like a vanilla ish yeah to it is there vanilla in this blood orange extract no there's no vanilla in here okay let's try it okay Ooh, that's good that is really nice yeah it's delicious Mm. it's it definitely got some weird flavors to it though yeah the aftertaste is a little soapy yeah 
It yes, mm-hmm. it definitely is like a mm-hmm. soap, some sort of cleaning product mm-hmm. vibe. Definitely. Like lemon scented cleaning product. Yeah, I'm getting that like Mop Lysol water. or something. But it's not bad. Like I would I would be able to finish a can of it. Yeah, fine. it's good, like, but that's not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if the CBD actually adds, like, a weird flavor. Yeah, a weird oily... Um, no, no, you can definitely taste CBD and hemp oil and this stuff. Like, th- it has a flavor. Now, it smells really good. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a... Almost like bleach. I don't know if it's... Re- it doesn't, like... It doesn't seem like bleach to me. It's almost like... Lysol or like that, you know that like scrubbing bubbles bathroom cleaner that's like you spray it and it's like foamy. Oh yeah, in the green container. Yeah, like it's kind of it kind of tastes like what that smells like, like yeah. a sort of like a citrus. Yeah, esque. So I'm gonna give this a seven point five because you're knocking some points off when you when you get into the bathroom cleaner territory. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's a delicious start and then. Suddenly, it's like you're scrubbing a, a toilet bowl. <laughs> but not bad. Like, yeah, definitely enjoyable. Yeah. You have to give it a score. I I would probably go with a seven. Seven. Yeah. Mm. The next one. It's called Focus, but it's spelled P-H-O. Caffeinated sparkling water. Oh, my God. I love fancy words. Ingredients. Reverse osmosis sparkling <laughs> water. Whenever it says things like that, you're you're trying to appeal to people who dropped out of ninth grade or something like that, and that yep. they have a chip on their shoulder about it. Literally, just means filtered water. Yeah, filtered tap water. Yeah, but it's fancy sounding. But it's a nice uh, can. It's like smooth. Yeah, it's a weird material on the outside of this can. Mm-hmm. It's a weird matte plastic mm-hmm. uh, raised embossed caffeine from tea is also interesting because caffeine also has a flavor. And when really? you get that yeah, when you get the caffeine from coffee, I feel like it tastes different. It adds it's a it's a bitterness. Huh. I didn't really blood that. orange caffeine, which for all the sparkling completionists out there who remember <laughs> ooh, I wanna say episode four or five or something, we did caffeine with Max Loring and one of them was blood orange. And we talked about how blood orange is a really grown and sexy flavor. And I stand by that. It has a bit of bitterness and an attitude. Uh-huh. It's a little bit of bite. Yep. And the bitterness of blood orange really worked well with the caffeine in that one. Okay. Talking rain, blood orange caffeine. That's good. That you sometimes can get at Bartels for $2 for eight cans. Wow. Incredible. Ooh, very light smell. Ooh. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Why? It doesn't smell like anything. Like... It kind of just smells like the can. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like I'm only getting aluminum. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Let's try Oh, it. it smells like, um, again, it smells like cleaning products. Does it? Maybe it's blood orange that smells like that. Okay, I'm going to try it. Like it definitely smells like scrubbing bubbles, 100%. Yeah. Bro, that's even lighter. I feel like it's stronger. You feel like it's stronger? I, I feel don't know. Like it's really bitter. tastes like almost anything. It has a, It just tastes like bitterness to me. I'm not a fan. Yeah, this is not so good. I don't know if I could do this whole can. Yeah. Well, it's got a lot of caffeine in there. Yeah, it says it has the same amount of caffeine as an 8-ounce cup of coffee. I guess if I was, like, desperate for caffeine. Yeah. This is not so good. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs>
Are they going to get mad if I say that? No, we have to be honest. Even though okay. they gave it to me for free and I feel real bad saying mean <laughs> things about it, we owe it to the sparkling community. Yeah, it's very bitter. There's a very bitter taste in it. I don't taste, I'm not tasting almost anything. I feel like my mouth was acclimatized to the first beverage. This is just nothing. Very, and also not very fizzy. Yeah, it's not. Wait, I wonder if I pour it. No, that's going to make it even less fizzy. Well, I wanted to see how fizzy it was yeah. when I poured it out. Yeah, try it from the cup. It's going to be... It's. Ugh, I really don't like it. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> Give it a score. Four. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to give it a five. I could drink it, but I don't actually think it's got any bad flavor. It's just that it tastes almost like nothing, and it's not fizzy almost. Where's this from? Wow, Louisville, Kentucky. That's weird. Okay, so last one. I'm, I'm excited about this one because these are, these are very fun. It's blood. It's free rain. The brand is free rain. I did one last week. It's enhanced sparkling water. They all have little little herbs in there mm-hmm. to do something for you, do you a little favor. <laughs> and this one is blood orange ginger with ashwagandha for focus. So the ashwagandha is supposed to help you focus. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that would be very effective. Isn't this a beautifully designed can? <laughs> it is. It's like it's an ombre can. Ombre. Ombre. Yeah, that's what that is. So like... I don't know this word. It's basically a pattern where you start with like a darker shade and then it moves to a lighter shade of the same color. Right. Like it's popular with like people's hair. It's like a dye job you can do. So you start dark at the bottom and then it gets lighter and lighter. So it's kind of like gradual. Yeah, that's what I would just call a gradient. In Photoshop, we just call that a gradient. Yeah. That's cool. Ashwagandha is an herb used to promote mental clarity, enhance cognitive function, and strengthen immunity. I love the lawyer speak of how you're allowed to say that it is used for something. Mm-hmm. And even on WebMD, you can be like, you look it up and it's like, yeah, people use this for <laughs> renal disease. And then you're like, huh, that works for renal disease? But no, that's not what that means. It yeah. means that someone is trying, yeah. someone th- is using it for that. Yeah. Who knows if that does anything. But there's 140 milligrams of ashwagandha in here. You ready for this? Oh, my God. (laughs) More more flavor, more focus, more you. Oh, it's colored. It's orange. It's orange. Thank you. Does this have juice in it? Juice. (laughs) Juice. So now you'll listen back to that when you listen to the episode and and you'll know. Contains 17% juice. I'm going to pour some in my cup. It smells like pumpkin pie. Ooh. It does, doesn't it? Oh, very, very earthy. Yeah. Yeah, gourd, gourd mm-hmm. family. Is that what that thing is? Cinnamon. Now, ashwagandha is just like a leafy, leafy plant where you take the st- stalk okay. and dry it up. It's not a gourd of any kind. Is there like some kind of spice in there too? It definitely smells a little bit like cinnamon or something like that. Carbonated water, blood orange juice, ex- uh, concentrate, bourbon vanilla extract, mm. bourbon mm. vanilla. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Ashwagandha extract, blood orange extract, ginger extract, ginger, lemon juice concentrate, cassin extract, which is uh, Chinese cinnamon. Mm, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it really, it smells like a pumpkin pie, which is a plus for me. 
smells so good. Because you're a white lady. <laughs> yeah. I had a... Oh, am I allowed to talk about something that's not sparkling water? <laughs> that's a drink. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, you're allowed to talk about whatever in life except other drinks that aren't sparkling water. It's not alcoholic. I will though. allow it. Okay. Yeah, if it's not alcoholic, that's even better. So, I went to Starbucks on my way to the North Cascades. Yeah. And I had this um, pumpkin foam pumpkin spice foam cold brew yeah so it's like cold brew and then it was like whipped cream yeah infused with like pumpkin spice yeah um oh my god it was amazing yeah it was so good good iced coffee with lots of sugar and flavors in Mm -hmm. there is i mean it is Mm -hmm. it's incredible yeah it's a full body experience yeah and i was like just thinking of fall while i was drinking it and driving Just your eyes just rolled back in your head. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's try it. I like it. It it's, doesn't taste like a sparkling water, but... I mean, it's sparkling. It is. You mean it's more flavorful. It's not very watery. Yeah, like, honestly, to me, it tastes like a tea. Yeah, it's got a tea It's like thing. a chai. It's really tasty. It's a tea bitterness kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's an earthiness. But there's a lot of blood orange in here. Mm-hmm. No cleaning supply tones. I think it's, yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, I like it a lot. This is definitely my favorite of the three. Yeah, mine too. This is very nice. Give it a score. I would say maybe like a 9.5. Yeah, that's very nice. Is there no caffeine in here? Yeah, no caffeine. It's just this other thing that's supposed to make you feel jacked. You know what I mean? Which is kind of nice because if you're tired, you have some caffeine, but then sometimes you don't want to have more caffeine. You want to maybe go with some other substance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess we would have to like drink more to see if it actually improves our focus. Yeah. And you know how I am about research studies and how they have to be rigorous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I am. That's so funny. Yeah, it has to be double blind, you know? I, sh- I shouldn't know and you shouldn't know which cup is Fanta. You know? Basically. <laughs> yeah, this is an 8.5 for me. 25 calories per can. It's yeah, not it's bad. not bad. Yeah, it's kind of like a tea with a little something extra. So yeah. I, it feels like more of like a fall drink, though. Like, yeah. you know, an October afternoon. I feel like if this was in the right cup, though, it could be like yeah. kind of like bohemian. Like, yeah. I feel like very bohemian right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like our apartment's kind of bohemian uh, in a way. Yeah, it's sure. kind of like a jungle in here. Yeah. It's definitely pretty jungle-esque. <laughs> and now we're going to do a, a quick ad break, okay? Mm-hmm. So today's episode is brought to you by Two and a Half Happy Barbers on 502 Northeast 65th Street on your way to Green Lake. $26 for a cut that would make John Voigt proud. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. I'm sure Scott over at Two and a Half Happy Barbers would be thrilled. Have you ever been in a physical fight? <laughs> probably with my brother. The mm. last time I remember us like fighting, um, I was probably in high school. So this was like a decade ago. He, I don't know what I did to him. But I probably annoyed him and he like punched me in the face and my nose was like oh. really hurt. I don't know if it bled. He punched you in the face. Is yeah. he older than you? No. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, we would like hit each other with seat belts in the back seat of the car. Like, remember when the seat belts were like, like the two point belt instead of the three point. Seat yes. Belt. So it just goes around your lap, and yeah. it, and then it was like loose, and then there was like the yeah. hard metal thing yeah. that got so hot in the sun. Yeah. Sure. We would like race to the car and then like hit each other with it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that reminds me of um, this documentary series that i'm that i love right now that's about a cult where they branded people i can't believe you haven't heard of this cult it's from new england it's called nexium and the tv show on hbo about it is called the vow i just really love cults like (laughs) (laughs) all my friends can attest to how i have a lifelong obsession with scientology where it's just so but we're not going to have you, like, joining, right? <laughs> That's what people always say. Well, it's, like, it's a concern. Sure. Sure, it's a concern. <laughs> but it's like, um, I just really believe that if you live your life like a normal person, where you, like, wake up and you have breakfast and you go and have a job, and then you, after work, you go and have a beer with your friends, and then you go home and watch a little bit of TV, and then you go to sleep, and that's your modality of life, you are missing out on some sort of, like, big psychological experience where you do something really intimate with like a group of people. And we used to have that when we like, I mean, I don't know if that's like an idealized way of looking at the past where like we had a campfire and we did weird things or like we went to church and it was like a big emotional experience. And I really believe that there is like things in the brain that's like kind of where we can have experiences pretty easily if we just... Like, for example, in this cult, they would do different, uh, in Nexium, they would do different uh, exercises where they would stand in a circle and you would, basically like a circular conga line where you would slap the back of the person (laughs) in front of you and someone is slapping your back and you're slapping someone else's back. And then you're like screaming and doing different things at the same time. Mm. And it's just like, that makes you feel something. And and then you combine that with these like super intense sitting one-on-one with someone and like really intensely talking to someone about your personal problems in a sort of way where they have a specific, really aggressive way of, of talking to you at it, where Mm -hmm. they're like disagreeing. Like, I believe that those things can be helpful for you because it's like just sort of like wild west therapy stuff. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that it's not that hard to come up with a couple of exercises that are enjoyable and helpful to a person. I believe that that's true. And then whenever you organize that in a something that you might call a cult, it might mm-hmm. sort of like attract a bunch of people. And then every time that sort of attracts people and power and money, and then every time that sort of like corrupts the people on top mm-hmm. to where the people on top always have like a harem of like young girls that they have sex with or something. Like every time, mm-hmm. you know, like L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology definitely had like a boat of young girls that he had sex with. And he turned it into a space opera you know, like there's this stuff added on that's not necessary for the first stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's just what happens when someone gets power. Sure. Yeah, like I'm a, talking about mm-hmm. a sort of, mm-hmm. there's a pretty simple template of how it can usually mm-hmm. play out. Yeah. And it's a shame. It's a shame because I think that there's a interesting thing in the human experience that we, most of us miss out on kind of. Mm. 
And like, if you're part of a Pentecostal Southern church where people are speaking in tongues, like, dude, that shit's interesting. Like, that's an <laughs> interesting experience for that person to have where you're really sort of engaging a part of the brain that's, that for most people where we just sort of live in these modern city lives, like we don't engage that part of the brain. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but it doesn't feel like something that I would seek out personally. Like I'm happy with not having to deal with that because. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of noise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that's a very good point. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's very much like it's not for everyone, Mm -hmm. but I think maybe a pretty big slice of the population just have sort of mystic curiosities and that those 25% maybe of the population that have those mystical curiosities, that they feel a little bit frustrated and that they are always susceptible to joining a cult. All right. I'm worried about you now, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely have those curiosities where like I would like that. And then like I go to meetings and like the 12-step program and stuff. And I feel like that's a very fascinating example of where when the two guys... Bill W. and Bill W. and ooh, I should really know the other guy's name if I'm <laughs> supposed to be in the program. Anyway, those two guys started it and it like attracted a lot of people and they had a lot of people who wanted to put money into it because they had saved lives of people around. Like they had taken people in the 50s from being super low functioning alcoholics to being functioning members of society again. And then you had benevolent beneficiaries around them that wanted to give money. So they had this turning point in the beginning where it was like, do you want to turn this into a thing that has a lot of money and starts hospitals? And, you know, do you want to amass all this power and wealth? Mm -hmm. And they just decided that, no, we're never going to turn it into that. And they set up these 12 traditions Mm -hmm. and they mirror the 12 steps in a book called The 12 and 12 is what people call it, where it's like 12 steps and 12 traditions. And the 12 traditions are all about how it's going to be this completely decentralized, no money to it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because that really goes against how human nature wants to Mm -hmm. organize things. Yeah. And because of that, it never got corrupted like that. And there isn't like a weird, like creepy sex angle to it. It's just... You go in and the whole thing is just like, you sit there and you're supposed to ask yourself like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this, but like, is this helping me like stay sober and be humble and like care for other people? Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing corrupting about that question, you know? Yeah. The question of like, is this helping me be more, less self-seeking? Mm-hmm. Like that's such a pure question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like this. You found if it's a cult, if it's anything like a cult, it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, because I used to for a long time, I used to be really anti-religion and feel like there's no difference between a cult and a religion more than Mm -hmm. like size. Really? Mm -hmm. But I do feel like there is a slight difference now in that a cult is more high control and totalitarian. Yeah. And maybe religions used to be more totalitarian like we used to have society-wide religions like at Mm -hmm. least in sweden for sure yeah like sweden 12th century 14th century it was like a society-wide cult where i think in a lot of european countries it was like that and i mean america's different because people were kind of seeking to get away from that yeah 
Because, yeah, it was like you had a priest who went from household to household Mm -hmm. and he would quiz all the youngsters on very specific esoteric biblical stuff. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't do it good, it would like, you know, there were all these punishments and everyone believed in the same hell and Mm -hmm. it's really Mm culty. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The TV show is real good, though. The Vow... Because it's like the whole first episode is just about the good stuff, mm-hmm. about how it's a good experience to be in this cult. And mm-hmm. then like the last sentence of the first episode is like some audio recording of someone's voice being like, you know, I'm kind of worried about something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, and then it just unravels. Mm-hmm. How do you think your family would describe you? As a smart, as a smart individual, but also very anxious and like and emotional my mom always said that wait did you say in emotional or emotional and emotional mm. i'm very emotional my mom even if my voice doesn't sound like it i'm yeah. very emotional <laughs> <laughs> yeah my so mom funny. said that uh i wear my heart on my sleeve she would always say that about mm. me you know the annoying thing about that for me is like i identify as someone with like a very high level of anxiety and stuff And maybe I don't show it. And my parents, both of my parents would always talk to me about how that how I wasn't anxious. Really? Like they would always be like, but you're not anxious. Huh. And I'm like, but bro. I am. I'm telling you how I'm sitting here looking all tired, but I'm actually really anxious. (laughs) Like they just thought I was like this sleepy teenager dude, you know, Mm. like this like bad posture, lanky kind of dude. And that that guy can't be really anxious because mm-hmm. he looks so sleepy. And it's like, I don't know. And then there are all these memes now about how like, no, you can actually be depressed and like look kind of normal. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I had one of those memes back in the day because I was really confused about it. Because I was like, am I not anxious? Yeah, it's hard when your parents or people you're close to. So like your parents when you're younger. Yeah. Um, but maybe a partner later on. Um, like don't acknowledge your emotions or try to tell you that they're not valid or not. Mm. Like what you're telling them is not true. (laughs) Do you want to tell us about when you had that experience? Probably in my last relationship, it was the most prominent. Like, I don't know. I felt like my ex would often, um, I don't know. I would be upset about something and I would tell him and he would just be like, well, that's silly. You shouldn't feel that way. That Mm. doesn't make sense. Like, why would you feel that way? It's a surprisingly bad response because it's on in, on a on one level it's true, like you shouldn't feel that way. I mean, should is a very loaded word, but like, like the things we feel anxious about aren't things that we necessarily should feel anxious about. Yeah, you know what I mean. On like a strictly logical yeah. plane. Yeah. But then it's just not a helpful thing to say because it doesn't actually make you not feel anxious about it. Right. And you're in a relationship, yeah. and a relationship on a big level is should be a space where you hear the things you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You're Not, validated. Yeah. I think that's the word that would describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're looking for? Validation? One of the things I'm always looking for. Yeah. You know, validation. but I'm not, I feel like I'm, I also understand that like, I don't always need it from someone. Yeah. Because I've like now, I now understand that like, okay, I feel this way and that's okay. Yeah. 
I really feel like, though, we do live in a very emotionally evolved era where there's like a lot of language around it. And there's a lot of that there is. I just really can't imagine that people were super good at it in the past. And I feel like people are pretty good at it now. Like I had this one thing that really stuck with me that happened at work like six months ago where I came at one of my middle managers I came at him like a little bit anxious and I was like asking him for I was like asking him like if I was doing anything wrong or if I was doing anything right and he was eating (laughs) and in this really dismissive like completely matter-of-fact way he was just like are you looking for validation or feedback And it just took me back because it was like such a good question. Yeah. Where it's very much either or. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not looking for both. And I just very honestly said validation. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> and then I felt good that he said that. That's nice. And he didn't give a shit about me at all. And it was like insincere. Uh-huh. But it like worked because we went through the motions of being emotionally evolved. Where he identified in me that I was coming off as a little bit anxious and that I probably was doing a pretty good job because I'd like really care and like try really hard and, you know, show up on time and show up rested. And everyone else is just like a hungover 19 year old who doesn't know anything. And it maybe it wasn't so necessary to like give me feedback. And it was just like a very successful interaction that happened really on autopilot for him while he was eating. He's probably securely attached, honestly. Yeah. That's how he responds to people in distress. Yeah. He knows how to like read someone well. (laughs) Yeah. And he knows like he can think through it clearly and communicate. Just an example. Yeah. His name is Elliot and he's a good guy. Yeah. And, uh... He has a girlfriend and they have a very stable relationship and he has a very nice setup of working half time at the restaurant. And this one time we had this like all employee party and I was really anxious because it was like I hadn't really been to a bar since I got sober. So I go to this bar and I'm like kind of dressed a little bit weird because I want to be, I don't know, I just wanted a little bit of personality to bleed through. And then he, like, really destroyed me because, like, him and his girlfriend and someone else was standing there. And I walked up to them and I didn't know who to talk to or, like, who to socialize with without drinking and stuff. And he just, in this very plain, matter of fact, similar way, was like, you're making everyone very uncomfortable with how you're acting right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, like, the absolute most nightmare thing that I could hear in that moment because I was feeling like I was making people uncomfortable. You know, when you just get anxious and you get in your head where you feel like everyone is thinking about me, everyone is looking at me and I'm making everyone uncomfortable with how I'm being and just my anxious energy is making everyone uncomfortable. And he like verbalized that in this like super cutting way. So, you know, sometimes he uses his powers for good and sometimes (laughs) he uses them for evil (laughs) because in that moment he really like cut through my entire experience and yeah, that's kind of an inappropriate thing to say. Yeah. Usually you just would say nothing and kind of let the situation dispel. Like eventually yeah. you'd walk away yeah. or get bo- like get bored of their conversation or something. Yeah. He probably didn't need to say that. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of this completely opposite experience I had like 
a really long time ago when I was like really young and living in Shanghai and I had a house party and uh, full disclosure, I had done some acid, I'd done some LSD and I was really having a very anxious experience, but it was a kind of boring party where everyone was just standing around with a drink and not doing anything. And I was just freaking the fuck out. And this guy next to me was just a friend of mine, Alex Atherton, good guy. He just looked at me and was like, you're freaking out right now. In just, just like a very similar way, he was like, you're freaking out right now and you think that everyone's looking at you and you think everything is weird, but really nothing is happening right now and you're being totally normal and there's nothing to be anxious about right now. Mm-hmm. And it just like really didn't change my experience where it really made me just observe how, yeah, there's this like extremely strong anxious feeling in me right now, mm-hmm. which is there regardless of my knowing that it's mm-hmm. just a feeling mm-hmm. like none of that, not no sort of conscious thinking work that I'm doing now is dispelling. Yeah. Telling someone there's nothing to be worried about is literally a very, it's a very ineffective way to yeah. help them. So what do you do? Just validate their feelings. Be like, yeah, I understand. You know, I know this is a really stressful experience and that, you know, I'm here for you or I hear you. I mm. understand that it's stressful. And you don't want to mix in anything about how like everything is actually all right. I don't find that useful. Hmm. I mean, if there's like, if it's a situation where there's like a concrete action that can be taken to help, maybe I'll suggest that. But mm. t- telling them, oh, it's, you know, it's okay. There's nothing to be worried about. I don't, I usually avoid doing that. Because it's not helpful. <laughs> because I, um, the woman I was married to for five years, Megan S., um, when I met her, she was, fairly low functioning and had maybe five panic attacks per day and I got really good at handling that in the sense that we would just hang out and just have a day off and walk through the mall and suddenly she would just like freeze and have this like extreme response where she would be convinced that she was dying and she would start hyperventilating and have like a full-on very very profound panic attack and I would just get really good at talking her down like we're on her, it worked better to say, you're not dying right now than to say, I understand that you're feeling bad right now. Okay, maybe a situation like that might be different. I think I'm maybe, maybe more thinking of like less acute hmm. anxieties. I don't know. I could be wrong too. But <laughs> I don't find someone saying it's going to be okay. Don't worry. I don't find that personally helpful but i don't really have panic attacks so yeah i've never had a panic attack either you don't find it helpful to just hear words that are good i don't know you're seeing it through the lens of how that guy said it in that relationship and that just didn't land right with you yeah i guess maybe i don't know if it said like with kindness and compassion yeah maybe it's different than someone who's just like oh megan yeah like yeah I don't know why you're upset about this. It's stupid. Yeah. Because I am more and more getting... Words can just sort of work a little... Like, like yesterday I couldn't really sleep. And I uh, was trying to find a sleep... Like, just a 10-minute guided meditation Mm -hmm. on Spotify. But I clicked the wrong one. And it was like... It said something about dreams. Mm 
So I thought it was something about sleep, but it was actually called Manifesting Dreams or something. <laughs> and it was just like this really nice woman who sounded kind of hot, who was like <laughs> saying things about how like she was proud of me and how like I just need to find the feeling related to my vision of success and just feel that feeling, not visualizing it yeah. in, with my inner eye, but like lean into that feeling. And it was like a 35 minute guided meditation and it was fucking really nice nice and yeah i pressed a little heart icon there in spotify <laughs> so i can come back to it because it was like 5 a.m and i wasn't about to remember what that you was didn't called. go to sleep until 5 a.m yeah i was definitely awake at 5 a.m oh my god i was like almost awake at that time yeah i had a very 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 dark night of the soul yesterday I'm at like sorry. 11 p.m where the most uncomfortable movie ever coincided with the girl and your a boss. girl that I have been talking to on the apps and never met in reality, trying to break up with me, and my boss trying to pin some horrible guest experience on me at the restaurant, uh-huh. and being all like, "I think it might be you." We have to email the management ownership at length about this. But now today, I found out that he texted everyone the same text. Mm. And it was a it was <laughs> it was an example of mind games. It's just a little bit of mind games. Yeah. And apparently we all reacted differently to it. Mm. It's so funny. Apparently Max reacted by texting back 13 very, very angry texts and being like, I don't understand how you can accuse me of this. <laughs> Whereas I was really nice about it in one and a half text. <laughs> so what do you think works for t- anxiety? Because mm. you identify as a person with some level of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um... I mean, I think being physically active is really helpful for me. Mm. Pause. I saw this funny meme yesterday of a cartoon. I think it's from SpongeBob. It's like a character with extreme muscles. And then the top line says, I started uh, going hit, hitting the gym to get rid of my depression. And then at the bottom one is, now I'm just really buff and still depressed. <laughs> is that what's happening to my legs? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> like... They're really strong. <laughs> They're really strong. Like pe- like multiple people have commented on my legs. I'm not even kidding you. That you have really strong looking legs? Yeah, that they're like really muscular. Well, you do bike really long bike rides. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that sort of the ideal though? Strong legs. Having kind of thick legs? I don't know. No, it is. It is. I could kick someone really hard. Yeah. But keep going. But you... It's a, I mean, it's a distraction. I'm sure there's also, like, chemical things that are, like, released that mm. help with, like, mood and stuff. I mean, surrounding myself with, like, nice, supportive people has been good. Like, if we're yeah. going back to the um, attachment theory, I feel securely attached to, like, my friends. Pretty much all my friends. I don't. And these are people you met in Seattle? Yeah, I've met the best friends that I have in Seattle, I think, in my master's degree program. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe we should call it there. Okay. Yeah, I have to talk to my Oh, fuck. Parents. It's 5.30. Oh, God. What? It's incredible. I keep missing this uh, appointment. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. We're going to call it an episode there. That was our review of Blood Orange Sparkling Water from Clear Cut Focus. Naturally CBD-infused blood orange water from Ableist CBD infusions. 
and blood orange, ginger, and ashwagandha for focus from free rain enhanced sparkling waters. Again, I would appreciate it if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, but more than anything, I want to say that I appreciate that you're listening. This is episode 30, and uh, I appreciate everyone who's listening. Thank you. Now, that brings us to our closing segment, Sparkling Water, Sparkling Mind. So let's see what David Phillips sent us this week. Gensha. I like Gensha. Dogen Zenji liked him very much too. He went to the monastery of Seppo and studied only two years. I wish some of you had that kind of clear turnover. Sensei is nice. He is so anxious to really deal with you. Really try hard. Until 30, Gensha was a fisherman. He was fishing with his father to support himself. And one day he came to doubt and question, what am I doing here fishing? I don't know if he was very conscious about killing the fish as such. Maybe not. But maybe he just questioned, what am I doing here? I'm sure many of you might feel in the same way too. Having your career, doing something else, are you really satisfied with it? From time to time, you might wonder, what am I doing? Am I really doing this right? Something that is worthwhile to do? Actually, that's what Gensha maybe felt. There's a kind of nice story involved in that, but I skipped that part. Suddenly, he decided to go to the monastery. It was lucky. He had a wonderful master in the nearby monastery. It was Seppo's monastery. And he went there and he studied two years there. I don't know what he did. Not much. What could he do? Seppo's monastery was very popular, see according to another koan in the Blue Cliff record. Later on, when Seppo was getting old, there were 1,500 monks. Being one of these hundreds of monks, what can you do? So two years he was there, then he decided to go someplace else. Maybe he was thinking, there are too many monks staying here. Maybe it's not so great. Better go and study somewhere else. Anyway, he leaves, and on the way, he runs into a sharp rock and hurts his toe. What happens? This body and mind. Body made of four elements, which are empty. And if it's empty, where does this pain come from? Those who will attain in such a clear way are a little different. If we bang into something, ouch, that's all. Or maybe we just complain. Who put this here, banging into stone? Goddamn dumb rock, isn't it? His reflection is something different, see? Where does that pain come from? Having body, empty. Having nothing. Where does that pain come from? Being nothing. How come it's so painful? Then he attained realization. Isn't it marvelous? To explain it is easy. You figure it out, see? Some, same thing that Dogen Zenji talks about. Crematory, that's what it is. Principle exactly the same. Where does this pain come from? He realized. Then he goes back, and Seppo sees him. Maybe Gensha was different from most of the monks. Seppo notices right away when he comes back and asks, Hey you, what happened? You've just left. Why don't you go for pilgrimage? Then Gensha answers to that, That's what I love. Bodhidharma has never ever come from the east. The second patriarch has never gone to the west. 
Yesterday I talked about the koan, the cypress tree in the garden. That's what it is. A monk asks, why did Bodhidharma come from the east? Why did he come? Why is Bodhidharma so significant? Then Gensha said, he has never come. What is that? What is he saying? Of course, the second patriarch didn't go to India. He has never gone to the west. That's understandable. But do you really understand? He has never gone to India? Where is he then? You can see that Gensha, Bodhidharma, second patriarch, not only one or two of them, everything, everybody, being with him. He is the east, west, south, north, literally ten directions. Where to go? And that's the true pilgrimage. Seppo loved that expression, and he approved Gensha. Isn't it nice? That's what he said, all directions, everything. Nothing but one bright jewel. That's what crematory is. That's what your life is. The whole world in the ten directions. That's what it is. That's what Dogen Zenji says. How would you say it? That's the second koan. Give us the piece of land where is no yin and yang. Good, bad. Right, wrong. Happy, unhappy. Enlightened, deluded. Buddhas. Creatures. Life and death.